Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me here for another episode here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. I first want to thank my Heavenly Father for blessing me and waking me up this morning and giving me the activities of my limbs. And yes, I am starting to feel better and better and better every day. So I am very grateful for that. I'm trying to raise this because I know that I'm on Facebook Live, and it's making me, I don't like how to say anything, but it is what it is. So when I try to do it one way, it makes me feel like I'm Belusa from Norbit, and then if I do it another way, it just makes sure my big head, my big nose, all that. But it's okay, because I'm just going to let it do what it do, and that's all I can do. Now, again, my name is Jeanette Abney, and I am a licensed American family therapist, as well as the host of Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. And I know my friends have been on me, um, telling me, Jeanette, you know your name ain't Abby. You know, so I guess I'm going to say Jeanette Brooks, too, just to remind you of who I am, for those of you that went to school with me or grew up with me and don't know me by Abney, but know me by Brooks. I'm going to put that out there as a disclaimer. You know who I'm talking about. So today's topic is one of those topics that's very not only dear to my heart, but I'm watching and I'm listening. I get phone calls, especially as a therapist, as it relates to this topic. Now, the month of May is considered with our Mental Health Awareness Month. Now, with that being said, it's a sense of awareness to inform individuals of things. We have, it seems like we got a month for this, a month for that, a week for this, a day for that, a national this a national that, but mental health is a taboo topic where many individuals suffer in silence, they may be ashamed, they may feel like they're all alone, and it's something that I can truly say even growing up in Compton, I saw a lot, and it was years before I really realized some of the things that I was looking at, and because I didn't know. I didn't, we knew winos, we knew people that was on PCP or used crack, or, but there were some other underlying things that may have been going on. I didn't know anything about a person being dual diagnosed or an individual that may be self-medicating or anything about pervasive childhood developmental disorders. And when we're talking about Mental Health Awareness Month, and I wrote on the little thing, which, like I said, I went to last minute, and it says, the month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and in honor, I will be addressing parenting adult children with mental health issues, because that is huge. Many individuals will be graduating high school, transitioning on to college, and some individuals are not diagnosed with mental health issues until they reach the age of 18. So you could be living in a home with a kid, a person, now they are an adult, and now you're looking at symptoms, you're looking at behaviors, and these behaviors can be hereditary, which in my case, it was hereditary with my son, because I didn't know my son's father had a disorder, or it could be environmental, it could be a substance-induced disorder, where some individuals are not even aware. Well, we're talking about, hey, Tyrell, I see you on there, but we're talking about individuals that are suffering with addictions and addictive disorders. We have kids that are dealing with depression, anxiety, postpartum depression if they just had a baby, 
I have a family member talking to him and was sharing about how she dealt with postpartum depression. I had never heard of that when I was having children, even myself. So don't be ashamed or afraid of what you don't understand or may have never heard of. So many parents have dealt with either the parental guilt, they're feeling helpless, they're feeling worse, they don't know what to do. And in some cases, the adult may, the adult child may not want your help. So we're going to be talking about what to do if your child is refusing to get mental help. I beg my son all the time. I'd be like, look, it's going to either be rehab or a mental institution, which one you want to go to, because I am not going it. So a lot of times, like I said, we're dealing with things that is just way beyond us, that we have no idea sometimes what is going on. But like I said, resources can be very difficult to obtain, and sometimes even obtaining the resources can be frustrating because as a therapist, I receive phone calls. Sometimes I will ask the person, is it for you? Is it for a loved one? So if you know someone who has an adult child that may be dealing with a mental health issue or you yourself dealing with symptoms of a mental health issue, Listen to the show. If you want to call in, if you have any questions, you want to pick my brain, you can reach me at 516-387-1914. If I don't have the answers for you, I will try to find the answer for you. But like I said, there's different treatment modalities out there because if you don't do anything, most adults will self-medicate. When we're looking at individuals that are alcoholics, they're alcoholics for a reason. When we're looking at individuals that are on drugs, it didn't just start. It could have been some other stuff that was going on before then. Like they say, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Now, I want to put this out there because I did put some of the different types of disorders out there. And like I said, when I say disorder, we talk about mental health, mental wellness, you know, what, however you want to pronounce it. But we're looking at depression, anxiety. PTSD, and PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. Going up in Thompson, PTSD, you start hearing firecrackers, you think it's gunshot, you know, or whatever the case may be. That's PTSD. When we talk about post, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, it's not the event that most people remember. It's how they felt when it happened. But we're talking about um, grief, grieving. All of that is um, connected. Like I mentioned, postpartum, postpartum um, depression, having a baby. The symptoms normally occur within the first 12 months of childbirth. Childhood trauma. There are so many adults out there today that are dealing with symptoms of childhood trauma that they didn't even realize that they had experienced traumatic events until they became an adult and realized that they were having difficulties with relationships. Substance use disorder, when we're looking at, and some people say, well, you know, I just like to drink. Why do you like to drink? Why do you like to get high? What is that about? But in the DSM, in the DSM-5, there is substance use disorder, whether you want to believe it or not. Look it up. Many individuals like myself who had children that were born in 1985, 1984, as our children got older, Many parents like myself started seeing symptoms of schizophrenia. And one would say, you know, what is the symptom? 
audio, visual hallucination. They start seeing things, hearing things that are not there. And that is a diagnosis that in most cases is better not being given to an individual until they reach age 18. But they are finding that there are children now that are having symptoms of schizophrenia. I'm going to be talking a little bit about medication regimen. Now, I am not a doctor. I am not in pharmaceuticals. But in some cases, there's different treatment modalities and different ways that individuals can be assisted. And like I said, most individuals are afraid to take the medication because they are afraid that they, they used to be afraid that their child would either wind up on drugs. And I didn't even put ADHD down there or ADD, which is another one we see. We're looking at our children. We're like, oh, my God, this child got this adult onset of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And the most interesting thing about that disorder is in most cases, it is not diagnosed until an individual wind up in jail or in prison, and then they are diagnosed with adult onset of attention deficit disorder. We have bipolar disorder, bipolar one, bipolar two. We're looking at the manic episodes. Then we have personality disorders. And not only just the, the uh, personality disorders with um avoiding disorders, antisocial personality disorders. We've got all these different things going on. We have eating disorders. Many adults and parents, I can say adults and parents, but many parents are dealing with symptoms and they're noticing that their adult child may be bulimic. When we're talking about binging and purging, or they may suffer from anorexia nervosa where they are not eating and losing a lot of weight, excessive exercising, taking laxatives. You know, some individuals are dealing with self-esteem, personality issues. So, again, if you're out there, give me a call. To join in on the show, 516-387-1914. Now, I'm waiting for, this girl was supposed to call in. She didn't call in yesterday. I'm going to call her now. She, um, I think she kind of forgot. So let me remind her to see where she is so she can join me in on this conversation, even coming in from a parent perspective, because like I said, a lot of times parents, when you, when you, know, when you know better, you can do better. And I'm not saying that there's a such thing as a perfect parent because there isn't. And um, don't be ashamed. But we have to break the stigma and the taboo because, like I said, help is available. Hello? You forget you forgot to call in. Girl, I, I was driving down far from the find out where I'm supposed to be. So let me I just looked at my car fifteen minutes ago. I thought okay, I'm gonna remember but I'm gonna be driving. <laughs> I figured I would be where I was supposed to be by now. Uh huh. Okay. Seven hundred feet. Okay, I'm gonna call I can still call in? Yes, you can still call in. I'm on right now because I wanna hear your input. I wanna you know, try to help some of these adult parents or these parents deal with these adult children with some of these terminology, terminology that they've never even heard of before, and especially coming from me having a therapeutic background to share what I know as it relates to parenting adult children and mental health issues because sometimes we don't even know what it is. We're looking at behaviors. We're looking at symptoms. We're looking at why they're not functioning, what's going on here, and a lot of times they don't know what to do. So. I know you're not a therapist. You are, you a parent. You have friends. 
you talk to individuals, and sometimes when we're talking about our adult children, and parenting adult children is a complicated enough as it is. Girl, and, you know, <laughs> you know, we didn't, we don't, our mommy manual didn't come with that part, so we didn't know. I thought mommy and grandpa, grandpa. <laughs> I know. I know. So uh, going apart, call in. I want to hear your input. And any any of you that are out there, remember the number to call in is 516-387-1914. There's no such thing oh. as a dumb question as a question that don't, a person is afraid to ask. Okay? Okay, I'm online. I'm on there right now? No, you haven't logged on yet. Well, I got you on speakerphone. Oh. You're on speakerphone. Okay. 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 Well, I'm going to park and uh, then I'll do it. All right. I'll talk to you in a minute. Okay? Okay. Okay, bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. See, when people don't call in, when they say they don't call in, I call in for them. You know what? There's another person that I really should call. And um, you know what? Let me see. LaShawn might have some interesting things she might want to say. I'm just going to have her to tell her to call the show. Say, because, like I said, just like myself, I'm at that age now where many of us have adult children, and although we have adult children, we still have to collaborate with one another in order to figure out what we can do to try to help our children and not hurt our children because our parents may not have known what to do. But I know my mother did not know what to do when it came to me and my sister. She, she didn't have a clue. She, she really didn't. And so now that I'm an adult and I'm watching my children and my grandkids, and I know my daughter be on me like, Mom, you the therapist. Mom, you should. I'm like, you know what, trying to do therapy with your um, children, <laughs> I'll never forget the time I had my son come in the house. I had him sit down. I introduced myself to him. He looked at me like, uh, Mom, what you doing? <laughs> and part of that was I started noticing that he was having symptoms of some things, so I wanted to sit down and talk to him in a professional manner, but I wasn't trying to be his therapist. And when he saw what I was doing, he just was not having it. And and I understand that because a lot of times they don't want people to know. So I'm sending out text messages telling individuals to call in on the show. When somebody calls in, they probably want to schedule an appointment, and that's not going to work. So let me see, 516. And again, the call in on the show is 516-387. Okay, 387-1914. Or, and like I said, I got clients calling trying to schedule appointments, and I'm not trying to take appointments right now because I'm on a live show. Now, as I was gathering this information and talking about parents of adult children with mental health issues and what can a parent do, now, first I want to say this. There's a difference between having an adult child with a mental health issue and having an adult child that is considered a developmentally delayed adult. So I want to put that out there first because there are some individuals and there are some parents out there that do have developmentally delayed adult children, and these adult children 
have had symptoms of a mental health issue or it could be, we used to call it mild to mental retardation, but now we call it borderline intellectual functioning. And that's not just what we're talking about, but it can be related because parents of such have the resources available or should have the resources available to what's considered the regional center. Now, each county has a regional center. And going through the regional center, an individual can get assistance in regards to mental health, whether they have to go into boarding care facilities, where they can get the assistance that they need. But what I'm talking about today is more adult children and mental health where we're talking about things that is more treatable and manageable and not just putting a person in a boarding care facility as they are a developmentally delayed adult. Okay, I got you on here. How are you doing, Ms. Barry? I am wonderful. How are you? I am well. I, you know what? I, as usual, I waited till the last minute. You talked to me this morning, and um, after I got finished talking to you, I had to get out of bed, start fighting with dogs and chasing dogs up and down the street. And, and it's crazy because I was asked the question with the three dogs that had a fight. He said to me, who do these dogs remind you of? I said, me and my sisters. <laughs> I got one that want to be a house dog because she got jumped by the other two dogs. I got the oldest dog that's a bully. I don't know what she got mad and was fighting the other dog about. Then I got another dog that I call her a runaway slave. She won't stay in the backyard. She plays Houdini. I look up, that dog be gone like my baby sister. We used to tell her every time when my mother would get in, we get in trouble, I tell my baby sister, don't run. Just get the whooping. Don't run. Yeah, my mother put us all out. I'm standing out there, my hands on my hips, my robe on, hair looking like H and Mama fucking that dog. The other day, I was standing outside, girl, the dog got away. And the neighbor, wait, 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 I got to say this part because I know I'm talking about adult children. I didn't do it. The dog would normally hop over the fence to the right. The dog realized that the neighbor was snitching on her. So, Today, after she played Houdini on me, she didn't go to the right because she knew the corner house was going to tell on her. She went to the left. <laughs> she probably like, I'm tired of telling on me. She went the other way because yesterday she got a whooping. So the thing is, I mean, when we're talking about, like I said, and I'm going to get back to the topic, and we're talking about parenting adult children and mental health, what comes to your mind, Ms. Berry, as we're talking about adult children and mental health? Whew, I need a, 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 what I think of is I need a cold rag on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, grab me some water. Why are you cold a rag? Pain. You know, I just need to take a breath. I mean, I have four children, four adult children. And so mm-hmm. I'm a mom, uh, a subtly single mom. I, I was married for some years and raised uh, my children, most the three, three oldest, while I was married. The youngest was uh, 11 or 12 when I divorced. And I do see the difference in raising two, having two parents with children and one that's not. And, and, and mm-hmm. the fact that uh, the one that gives me uh, the most headaches, is the youngest, too. So two things there. 
Um, mm-hmm. And what what I've had to deal with and what I'm currently dealing with is, you know, um, my youngest daughter was dealing with depression and dealing with depression over the loss of a relationship. And you know me, I'm mm-hmm. mom, and I've been through the whole relationship, and even including a divorce. So I'm like, okay, girl, we gonna get through this. You good? You okay? But it just wasn't so. And and I'm mm-hmm. and I even my my consultation with her and you know cheering her up. It just was keeping. It, she still was in a place that you know I'm like, wow, maybe I need to seek some outside help. It's really like that. You know, a lot of times parents we just let it go. Like they'll get over it. And, you know, my daughter started losing weight, you know, and she's dealing with some other issues. So I'm like, okay, now it's time for me to get some other help here. And I think that is uh, is key is knowing when you need to seek some outside intervention, a doctor, mm-hmm. whatever, if your child is dealing with depression. And so t- so many times um, moms, we look we look over that and, and, and then you, you hear, you know, the child is sick or, or suicide, and those are so many okay, you go. Um, red flags that we have to just say, you know what, if it's not getting any better or, you know, we're looking over it, get some outside help. And so that's where I am right now. And you know what, you just brought up something that was is very um, interesting, and I want to put it out there because when we're talking about mental health issues, a lot of individuals don't realize the seriousness of that. And the seriousness mm-hmm. of that is when we talk about relationship issues, and if you being a single parent, I was a single parent, parenting adult children, you know, my kids now are like 37. I know my daughter, I hate to say she'll probably be 35 this year. But when they're going through something and you don't know what to do, what to say, you think, well, I've been through this, I can help them get through that, you really can't help them get through relationship issues. You really can't. Mm-mm. And it's, it's complicated because they first deal with what's called relationship anxiety, the anxiety of the relationship, the fear the person's going to leave them, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then the breakup, in some cases, can lead to suicidal ideations. And if you're dealing with a adult child and you're talking about just the depression and then the, you know, like you said, she's not eating and turning to an eating disorder – Sometimes it's substance use disorders, <clears throat> but suicidality, suicide is real. And we have to know the signs, and we have to know what to say and what not to say when you're dealing with those issues. I remember one time my son called me and said, Mom, my girlfriend is dead. You no, know, he texted me. I'm like, uh-uh, did you kill him? You know, I didn't know what to do with something like that. And I didn't know if he was going to be going through depression or feeling guilty or whatever the case may be. But if you are seeing symptoms of suicide or you want to assess the lethality, remember you can call the pet team. They can do either a 5150, and that's a um, when they're doing an observation to determine um, the lethality of it. You can also, or they can do a 5250. Not only the pet team, you can also, um, on, if they have insurance, you can try to call the insurance company. In, in most cases, um, parents get upset because the insurance company will not give them a lot of information if they are over the age of 18 and not a dependent adult because of the laws that we have. But you can also give them the number to a crisis um, hotline or a suicide prevention number. And I'm going to Google it and get the number for suicide prevention because, like I said, help is available. Or call 
211 is the info link, and they can also provide you with information and resources. But like I said, that is a biggie one, Ms. Ms. Barry, when we're talking about how do you help your child get through a breakup of a relationship and trying to let them know that, baby, you're going to be all right. This too shall pass. That's, that's huge. Not mm-hmm. only on relationship, job loss. When you have COVID, a lot of individuals were dealing with mental health issues as a result of COVID. That was huge, dealing with mm-hmm. your adult children. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think a lot of it, a lot of the COVID right now contributes to a lot of mental health issues because of the isolation and because of the, mm-hmm. you know, the fear of just being in the company of, like, you don't know who to be in the company of because, you know, COVID was so rampant in our in our uh, world. And so you mm-hmm. that that, was a, that played a, a major, major role. So, um, like I said, I, I am all for uh, getting the help that's needed. And if I can't do it, I'm going to seek, um, you know, medical advice or counselor, someone that's trained to help mm-hmm. my, my child. You're going to have to. And you know what? And I'm going to give you right now some tips. And one of the things that they were talking about in regards to when you're dealing with these things is just some of the things that you first have to do. you got to know, especially if you live in, with an adult child, your child living in your home, how do you live with an adult child that may have mental health concerns? That's a challenge for a lot of individuals because they don't know what to do. And it's like, well, I'm watching my child. I'm watching her, you know, give it away. I don't want to be all up in her business. But we first have to be able to identify them know, you know, by identifying acknowledging it, first of all. Then number two, it says understand the reason why sometimes your adult child may not want your help or may not want mental health issues, I mean, mental health resources. And you have to express your undying love. Now, when you when I say express your love, that doesn't mean smother them. That doesn't mean give them a whole lot of information because that's what we call roadblocks to communication. But you also, Miss Barry, you want to set limits with their behavior. When you're seeing her, you know, doing certain things, you got to let her know, baby, we ain't tolerating that. You know, we got to do something about that. And you want to discuss the different treatment modalities. Now, you and I had a conversation earlier, and we were talking about um, eating disorders. Now, not all individuals have to go into a residential facility for an eating disorder. There are outpatient services available. Sometimes individuals have to do what's called medication regimen, where they may have to be assessed for medication in addition to talk therapy. But even if you are looking for a therapist, which can be a challenge at times, there's different therapists that that work with different issues. I tell individuals, yes, I'm a licensed therapist, but me and depression, that's not my forte. I would rather work with individuals with anxiety, that are angry, childhood trauma, anything. I would do the postpartum depression, but depression by itself. And because sometimes the emotional weight on that can be so um, challenging, it takes a lot of skills, it takes a lot of patience, and I know I don't have all that patience. So, but you want to make sure that she is able to connect with someone and not just a relationship therapist, but you want to make sure that she connects with someone that can help her get through. Now, when we're talking about 
what do you do when your adult child is struggling? Because, like I say, parents normally see it first. You've got to be open and honest about your expectations. Talk about things that, that they're struggling with in their relationship and let them know about the ways you may have felt rejected or, you know, how you may have dealt with something. You don't want to take the struggle away from them and make it all about you, like my daughter used to always say. So now I learned this, be quiet. But you want to let them know that, that they are important and that their feelings matter too. Right. So what are some of the roadblocks, Miss Barry, that you may be running through? Is your daughter open to help? Is she asking for help? Or what is she doing? Well, absolutely. That's why I'm on the road today because uh, we had to go okay. and uh, uh, get – she is going to counseling. And um, so they wanted to um, just, you know, it was a, it was a, started with a, a checkup from a doctor. So they want to get blood work. They want to make sure everything is – it's good, and we did that today. And so she has another uh, appointment on a couple in a couple of days. So I'm I'm actively with her through this this um, you know this challenge that she's dealing with. So I'm I'm letting her know I'm right here. I'm walking with you, and I think that's important that the the, the uh, adult child know that the parent is there and that they're concerned and they're mm-hmm. gonna be there for them. And I think that especially my kids, they're all spoiled. So they, you know, they're adults, but they want the mama. They want my mama. So I am there. But I have, and, I have, something, uh, to, I have something I need to throw out there for you, Miss Barry. This is a relationship yes, issue. Relationship. Yeah. And she may still want that relationship with that man. And self-care Ooh, is Lord really Jesus, important. That's support. another challenge. <laughs> You know, you know I'm going to go there with you. You know I'm going to keep it real. Like I said, just like when you're dealing with a child that's in an ad- ad- abusive relationship. And sometimes as a parent, we got to know, we got to have boundaries. We got to know where to draw the line in the sand, too. And, you know, yeah, my mother was brought to that she's the takeover spirit. And sometimes yeah. you can move them out of the situation but you may not really be separating them from the predicament, meaning once she do get healthy and once she get back on track, then you got to be dealing with the issue of whether she still want to go back to this man or want this man or and helping her with her self-esteem issues. That's going to be a challenge. I think for so, me and my daughter, that was number one, dealing with the self-esteem issues and getting to the core of that, you know, and I, I, I have, to, have, have had to deal with that in my life, and I had to go to the core of it and was dealing with abandonment, dealing with not having my father available in my life. And so these are the things that I had to uh, have conversations and communicate with my daughter um, on those same issues. And the number one was that self-esteem and loving herself enough not to uh, allow herself to be in that type of relationship that's going to cause her uh, stress like that. So mm-hmm. um, that was the main, main thing. And even even in the, you know, I had to catch myself plenty of times to not get angry when she still wants, wants this relationship, you know. So we had to go through some challenges with them. And I was angry a lot of days. But I had to be patient and and for sure prayerful, uh, 
um, that she was going to get through this and she was going to come to herself and see for herself that it was not a good. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times when we as parents, we just said to we blew in the face, he ain't this, he ain't that, blah, blah, blah. But if they have had a soul mm-hmm. tie, they in love and all of that, they can't hear nothing we're saying. Girl, uh, so I had to give them some time. Yeah, I had to give her some time and I had to, mm-hmm. huh? No, I was going to say, I'm sitting here and I'm smiling, I'm laughing on Facebook Live because it kind of, I could hear my father's voice when I was young and with dealing with my son's father. And, and I'll never forget my father just out the blue asked me a question before he passed away. And my father asked me one day, he said, Jeanette, what's going to happen to your son's father? And I said, oh, he lives in da 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 my daddy said, baby, you don't know how many times I tried to kill that man. <laughs> so sometimes parents got this thing that where they be like, look, you ain't going to hurt my baby. But they don't realize that that's not the solution. It's really not the solution. And I also want to say, oh, my face is itching for putting this makeup on. I also want to say that even though when we're talking about the abandonment issues and childhood trauma and the father's not being in the life, or the mother's not being in the person's life, some of these things can make a person so hard, too, to where they can develop other areas of concern to where they have a, I don't want to call it a dislike, but it's a still an imbalance when it comes to relationships. Because mental health has a lot to do with your level of functioning. How are you functioning in relationships with others as well as yourself, your moods, your thoughts, your behaviors, all of that? And sometimes people would just say, oh, I'm good, oh, I'm good, there's something wrong. And we talk a little bit about COVID and relationships. Another thing that um, that I wanted to talk about when we're talking about this, this mental health issue, it's, it's just not only that, but substance use disorders is another woman's theory. We got a lot of adult children dealing with um, substance use disorders, and we call that co-occurring disorders. And then also I'm looking at something, and it says when we're talking about reaching out, you can reach out to your own support system. You can talk to another friend, a family member, but you want to start the conversation. And one of the numbers that they have is 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-8255. But we want to make sure that we're looking at these things on a way, at a level that we are, we're okay and we're balanced. Now, I'm looking at something, and it says how to deal with a type of adult child. Now, when we're talking about a psychotic adult child, we're talking about individuals that have bipolar one and having their manic episodes. A lot of times parents don't know what to do. And we're in an African American community, Miss Barry, we are still very untrusting of the police. You know, before we would say, call the police, call the police. But sometimes we don't want the police to hurt them. You know, we see it in movies. We, we hear it on the radio. We, we're watching the news where your child may have a mental health issue and your child may be schizophrenic, may be uh, bipolar, or having a psychotic um, episode, or may be manic. And then here comes the police. Police don't know what to do. And then your child is shot and they kill me. So one of the things that they talk about with how do you deal with a psychotic adult child, talk therapy is essential for the treatment of any mental health condition, 
It doesn't have side effects, and it helps your child understand their feelings, hope, and build strategies for wellness. Now, talk therapy requires what they call the buy-in from the patient. So the thing is, a lot of times, if the person don't want to talk, Miss Barry, leave them alone. Don't force your child. Yeah, I get that. To tell you I get that because it's, if they don't want to talk, what was yeah. you saying, Miss Barry? Yeah, I, I was sorry. I said uh, I get that because then that makes it makes it more complicated when they don't want to talk. And you know, as a parent, that's what we do. <laughs> we gonna we gonna talk about this. I got something to say, and sometimes we have to just step back and you know realize mm-hmm. that they are an adult. This is a real situation, and we need to you know take a different approach. And so. I'm still learning. There you I go. I'm a mother of four, but I am still learning. And each, cause each one of my go. children are different, and I have to deal mm-hmm. with them differently. So I, I'm still learning, like, okay, this one I, this one is not going to talk. This one is going to shut down. This one's going to make me want to map out. Um, so I have to <laughs> deal with them. I have to take different approaches, because, or I'm going to be insane. So, I, you know, this youngest one, she shuts down, and she doesn't want to talk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm, I'm a I'm a talker. I'm a we gonna get this straight, you know. And I don't mean no harm, mm-hmm. and I'm not badgering. I just want to get it, the situation fixed. And I'm a I'm a mama bear, so I want to fix it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like I said, mm-hmm. I had to go and seek um, outside help because I I can't fix it by myself. I'm gonna keep trying. Like I said, I'm I'm walking with her as I do all of my children through this you know situation mm-hmm. she's going through, but. You know, I I I have to sometimes just put my hands up. You know who? You know sure. I have to say, hey, Lord, I, I can't I can't handle this by myself. Mm-hmm. So um, that's mm-hmm. where I am, and I, I I get it. As a parent, we have to have to assess it and see how we can help not not hurt the situation. Correct. And you know what? You just said something that was very interesting. Is you have to accept it. A lot of times individuals don't want to accept it. I'm looking at my blank security system off, and my son's supposed to get work. I don't even think he has a job anymore. He's like Martin on the fifth floor. I mean, what they call Martin when the buzz man on the fifth floor? I don't think he got no <laughs> And the second I realize I'm watching my security cameras, he in and out my house. It's like barely 12 o'clock. Why are you at home? Aren't you supposed to be at work? Now, I'm looking at an article. And it's basically, and it says success, and it says PMS, and it talks about how to help the grown child with mental illness. Now, it indicates mm-hmm. your child has a mental illness, and they can have it when they were young, and you can reassure them, you can try to find solutions, but solutions. But now your child is an adult, and that can be much more challenging and even harder because they may not want you in their business. If you are an adult dealing with this, I want you to say you're not alone. Because 50% of mental illness begins at age 14, and 75% begins at age 24. So there's that gap between 14 and 24 that you may start seeing certain behaviors. You may start seeing certain um, symptoms. And like I said, with me, with my son, it was hereditary because I did not know father had symptoms of schizophrenia, nor his father's mother had been diagnosed with schizophrenia. 
So, and my son did not have a relationship with his father. So when I started seeing it with my son, I'm like, oh, Lord. And now here I am in college, and I'm doing papers on schizophrenia and all of this. And I guess that was the Lord's way of letting me know, that you need to educate yourself about this because you're about to deal with this. And then not only did I start having to deal with it with my son, when he started having children, I'm seeing these symptoms in my grandkids. So I'm like, oof. Now, when we start talking about these mental health issues, and that means that there are parents across the country trying to understand and gain a better understanding of how to help their grown children with mental health illnesses. Now, it can be difficult to navigate the path of mental health when your child receives a diagnosis, if they receive a diagnosis, because, Ms. Berry, there are so many people that are not diagnosed, underdiagnosed, overdiagnosed. So as a parent, you are the essential support system for your child. And I want you to know that you're not helpless, but you first have to get educated. The most critical action you can take as a parent is to learn about your child's mental health condition and how they experience it, because in past generations, it was more common and accepted to dismiss the issue, meaning we would tell people, snap out of it, push through it, change your attitude, do this, do that. But now we know it ain't that simple because mental health is real. They have um, organizations that can help you, the National Institute of Mental Health, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, mentalhealth.gov. We have um, Omni, Anomni, sorry, Nomni is another one. And we also, and I indicated in regards to a person being psychotic or suicidal, the number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number is open 24-7. It is 1-800-273-8255. And there's also a crisis line service if you want to text. But as an adult child with mental health illnesses such as depression, bipolar disorder, and I didn't even talk about obsessive-compulsive disorder or personality disorder, we as parents, we have to learn about these disorders, and we also have to remember we do not need to be ashamed. We do not need to be embarrassed. But try to educate yourself, YouTube videos, calling doctors, be there, be a support system, because mental health, our mental illness often has a genetic component. Just like some families deal with heart conditions, cancers, and risks, look into your family history to see if anyone else has similar diagnosis. I'll never forget. You still there, Ms. Berry? Okay, I hear you now. I'll never forget, Ms. Berry. I had a family member call me one day, and she said, she said, Janelle, you're a therapist, right? I said, yes. He said, baby, my son be in the room, and he don't do drugs. And I'm trying to mimic her voice because when she said it, it was funny to me, but it really wasn't funny. But she said, she, she said that he be in the room, he smokes cigarettes, that's all he do. He don't drink, he don't do drugs. She said, but baby, he be talking to somebody. And I said, talking to somebody? I said, he may have symptoms of schizophrenia. She said, what is that? Now, my cousin is older than me. And when I said he may have schizophrenia, she had never heard of schizophrenia. And I said it consists of audiovisual hallucinations, and there are people in our family that have symptoms of schizophrenia. She said when she hear him talking and don't hear nobody talking back, she said she went there and told him, baby, don't 
So make me come in here and F up these voices because uh, I don't know what's going on. But she was afraid. She was afraid. And my point in saying this is not in a laughing manner. It's if you see your child talking to somebody or one of the ways I was always able to tell when my son is buried is I could see his eyes shift. When his eyes would shift, I knew there was somebody else in that room besides me and him. He wouldn't do it in front of me, but I knew he heard something. And it, just that, I, I could tell. And now I could tell because he tries to drown it out with alcohol. And now his daughter is about to do the same thing. She's trying to drown hers out, and I've been telling him to get that baby some help before she was even two years old. I saw it with her. And now I'm dealing with the other one with these nightmares and all of this stuff. So as a parent, we can't put a blind eye on it. we got to acknowledge it. And we want to encourage treatment. Don't make treatment an ultimatum. Encourage them. The mental health condition is not the fault of the adult daughter. But it's their responsibility to get the treatment that they need. And this can be a difficult situation to navigate for a lot of reasons. Your adult child may be resistant to get help, because I know my son is very resistant. You are accustomed to doing whatever you can see to ease their suffering, but an adult can't be forced into treatment unless you have to do conservatorship or, you know, get them where they are in a mental institute. They may not believe that they have a true mental health disorder that needs professional help. And that happens a lot of times. They think they don't need it. So it is critical for any parent to basically understand the disorder themselves, understand the symptoms, and remember, everyone is different. So properly encouraging treatment doesn't have to be a one-size-fits-all. So there's a lot of ways that you can you can go about it. And sometimes you can show them in movies, you know, songs. we got all these different tools out there, but for some reason, Ms. Barry, we're not utilizing them. But we got to understand and encourage the child or the adult child with a mental health disorder, even though it's hard, but doing so for the adult child also who may have um, dual diagnosis can also be extra tricky because with dual diagnosis, you're dealing with not just one disorder, you're dealing with more than one disorder. And it's this, 7.9 million individuals in the U.S. experience both a mental health condition and a substance use disorder. So when you start wondering, why is my child drinking? Why is my child using drugs? Why are they self-medicating? And that's basically what that is. And it indicates by its very nature, drug addiction is a mental health issue that often provides a dopamine reward. If your adult child has a mental health disorder, they may want to get better in order to alleviate their pain and go on with their life. But substance abuse and addiction or mental health issues that insensitize against treatment, your child may be reluctant to admit that they have a substance problem because using helps ease their mental health symptoms. This is where encouragement may become difficult for the parent. And before they can address the mental health issue, your child got to be aware that they have a substance abuse problem. And mine is with alcohol. And I can give my son all the information about alcoholism. My son, even though I even own a rehab, but we go round and round and round about stuff like that. But when I start finding alcohol in the doghouse and and just uh, 
And I know with me not being home, girl, he probably been having a field day. But you want to learn about treatment options for mental health. Again, mental health conditions are typically treated through talk therapy, medication, or a combination of both. And um, you want to find the right therapist. So what are some of the questions, um, Ms. Berry, that you may have for me as a therapist as it relates to this topic? Because I know we've got about 10 minutes left in the show, but being a parent of an adult child and children, what are some of the questions that you may have for me as a therapist? Well, let's see. You know, I, I've already shot you all the questions <laughs> <online>. <laughs> Yeah, so we had a conversation um, this morning. We, we're always having conversations just in general about, you know, our kids. But, you know, I, you know, you definitely advised me just to, you know, seek some intervention. You know, I, I can't stress that enough. Like, we are moms, but we are not doctors. I mean, I, I am Dr. Talisha, but I'm an honorary doctor. Um, however, I am not a, a medical you know, I, I, I go from, you know, from using wisdom or what my grandmother taught me. And, you know, things mm-hmm. are not always, you know, we can't always rely on those, that advice and that sort. We need need more. And so sometimes we need to mm-hmm. consult with um, the medical um, industry, you know, for that help for our children. And, and, and don't be ashamed or afraid. A lot of times parents don't want to go that route because, they're in fear of what someone will say. My God, I, I, I'd be more afraid of what somebody's going to say if I didn't get any help and I just let go. it go and it got really bad or no, I lost a child or whatever. I don't care what mm-hmm. anybody thinks when it comes to my child, period. And that's how that's mm-hmm. for me and that's what I tell any other parent. Go do what you need to do to get help. You are not God or a doctor. We can consult with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we can pray, and we can. But when we need to get some medical advice, go get it. Well, I want to say this as a professional, and we're talking about the medical advice because there's different treatment modalities. If you're trying to, because the, a lot of times I get phone calls all day, every day, in the morning, night, weekends. You know, here they call me because my calls are forwarded to my cell phone, and. The first thing that you want to do is find a therapist. You have different types of therapists that specialize in different things. Now, I am an LMFT, which is a licensed marriage and family therapist. However, that does not mean that I just focus on relationship issues. You have individuals that have what's called LCSW. Those are licensed clinical social workers. They normally work more in a hospital setting. We have the LPCCs. We got different things with different people and abbreviations behind their name. But when we're talking about the area of expertise that I do, and even though I'm in the field of mental health as well as addictions, addictive disorders, and substance abuse, and relationship issues, it all ties into their level of functioning. So it's more talk therapy. A therapist cannot administer medication. So we got the therapeutic, they can even be seen by an intern, a life coach, somebody to help them get through. Now, if it's something that is more in-depth, that they really may need some type of assistance, they can be seen by a psychologist. Now, a psychologist in some cases will do therapy, talk therapy, 
But in most cases, they do more psychological testing or research, and, you know, that's more of their areas of expertise. But they are considered psychologists. That's where you get the doctor so-and-so. They have the Ph.D. So, like I said, they do more psychological testing, whether it's the MMPI or the PSI, and that can kind of help you gain a better understanding of what the diagnosis is based on the criteria and the symptoms. But if the person don't want to share the symptoms, it's very difficult to give a person a diagnosis. Now, when individuals even come to me through insurance, through medical billing, we have what's called an ICD code. That is the diagnosis, meaning what am I, what symptom am I treating? In order for an insurance to pay or reimburse the therapist for services provided, it has to meet what's called medical necessity. A lot of times parents, people will call and they want to tell me the situation but don't want to get to what's going on because they don't want something diagnosed as I have anxiety, I have depression, I have adjustment disorder. So they're so afraid of a label. Don't be afraid of that label because that is just, in some cases, just for billing purposes to indicate why this person is receiving services. Now, not all therapists have insurance. And the reason being is because when therapists contract with insurance networks, they normally receive a rate lower than what their private clients pay. So they will see a certain number of clients with insurance, most employers offer what's called EAP, Employee Assistance Program. That's more normally for non-medical, but because it is free to the employee, their spouses and dependents, many individuals like to take advantage of that. But most therapists be like, you may want to take advantage of it, but I ain't going to let you take advantage of me because that's a lot of work that needs to be done based on, and then they'll hear it in the person's, you know, more of a, of I'm trying to get over on the system, and they're like, mm-mm. And most therapists will take a certain number of insurance clients, a certain number of EAP clients, as well as a certain number of private pay clients to balance things out. Because EAP is not long-term, it's short-term. EAP was designed to get the individual connected with the professional help so that they can get some help, not just to get the help and get the help done because we can't treat everything. Then you have, Ms. Berry, after the psychologist, you have psychiatrists. Psychiatrists are like doctors. They're the ones that also do testing but also write the prescriptions. So you don't want to, and you got to be honest, don't go see a psychiatrist and be dishonest and tell them symptoms because you've been on YouTube and the Internet and, and reading things. So you go into people with all these lists of stuff that you know is not even applying to you because you're trying to get a certain type of medication. Because sometimes the combinations of medications can make the symptoms worse and the behaviors worse than what you actually was already going through. And you do not want to mix drugs and alcohol with psychotropic medication. So these are just some of the different treatment modalities that are available. Like I said, you could see a psychiatrist. You could see a psychologist. You could see a therapist. You could see an intern. You could go to a mental health clinic to be seen, and they have staff that will be able to assist you. You can find someone that is in private practice as well as a life coach. Now, I want to give the parents, I know we have about three minutes left on the show, and it indicates 
what can parents do to support their adult children struggling with mental health? Like I said, it could be very frustrating. It could be overwhelming. It could be a lot of information. And we all want to keep our children safe, whether they are adults, like we say, from the cradle to the grave. However, we cannot control everything in their lives because as they grow older and um, they basically chase their independence, they can fall victim to stress is another issue, depression, anxiety. And as young adults struggle to cope, they can fall victim to poor life choices. Like I said, a lot of this has to do with their level of functioning. Now, millions of parents struggle every day to deal with their children who are ailing from mental illnesses, substance abuse, behavioral issues. And it's harder to get to have to, um, to stay in your child's life when they're over 18. Now, even though I gave you guys a lot of information, I want to say this as a parent. Sometimes we got to give them space. Not enough space to where they may hurt themselves, but we want to give them space because we don't want to overly stress them out or contribute to their problem. Because sometimes we can cause more harm than we are good. So don't always try to stage an intervention of some sort, and don't gang up on them to make them feel bad. Ensure they feel loved and supported and that you're not angry with them or disappointed, which I always come up some disappointing behavior, but express your concern in a loving way. Ms. Berry, what do you think about that, expressing your love in a loving way but give them space? What's your thought on that? I, I, I'm, I believe in that 100%. I have been accused of being a ghost buster, I think parents, as parents, we should check ourselves. And if we know mm-hmm. we're going at this, that that mom away and not giving that time for them to um, think and, and, you know, try to handle some of it on their own, you know, give them um, the space to, to be adults, even though they, we might say they're not. Step mm-hmm. back and take a breather mm-hmm. and think about ourselves. I have to kind of put myself in my daughter's place. Like, how would I feel? And she said that to me, mm-hmm. how would you feel if you were saying this and saying that? Like, mom, let up, let up. And I'm just, like I said, I'm a mama bear, and I just want things to be right. So, again, mm-hmm. I say just, you know, just check yourself and just make sure that, you know, we're, going, we're taking the right approach and we're not trying to push them right. away. Correct. And the next one, it talks about becoming. So it is easy to lose sight of the fact that your child is going through a difficult time in their life and become angry or harsh when dealing with them. The best way to deal with it, however, is to be as kind as possible. This can be difficult and it can also be frustrating, but being harsh will not keep you any closer to helping. So I always say, is it nice? Is it kind of I have to be mindful myself and my son not to say things that are not necessary. But sometimes we just want to sunglash them, snap them out of them, but you got to be And then it talks about understand their problems. It is easier to empathize with them and understand their actions when you are educated on the issue. So try to find out as much resources as you possibly can. Encourage treatment. But this one right here, if you use this very, don't judge. Most importantly, right. don't judge. You can blame them for getting themselves into situations, but 
who is the blame doesn't matter in the end. You should focus on helping them get better rather than judging them. Whether it's depression, postpartum depression. I, I remember one time one of my cousins had said something about when she had postpartum depression, like I said, we never even heard of that in our family, never heard of it, period. And the, she responded by saying, her mother said, that's a shame. I had so kids and I ain't never dealt with that. She was like, what am I supposed to do? You know, but to be honest, we had never heard of postpartum depression. So the thing is, right. you don't you judge them for that. I can't judge my son because he has symptoms of schizophrenia, not knowing that his father had a history of the diagnosis of schizophrenia. I didn't know what the heck that was that I was looking at, but I can't judge him. But as I tried to get him help, he resisted the help, refused the help, self-medicating, and I don't like the behavior. So you have to separate who a person is from what a person is doing, even if it is bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder. A person that's borderline, oh, they can be very difficult to work with even in therapy because it's either black or white. They love you or they hate you. And sometimes parents, I mean, the child will blame the parent or the child have the parents feeling like they being emotionally handicapped, like it's all their fault, because the adult child don't know what to do. So one of the things that the adult parent has to do is get therapy for yourself. Or any other form of care are the best way to help you to do. Do not forget to take care of yourself. Very, a lot of times when I'm working with families, the adult child don't want my help. I will work with a parent to try to get the parents to understand that they need to engage in self-care. They do not have to engage in parental, um, what they call it, parental guilt. If you've done all you can do, like they say, you can leave a horse in water, but you can't make them drink, I tell people I'll make you thirsty. If I've done everything that I can do to lay it out there and you don't want my help, I ain't going to let you blame me for how you feel because I'm not responsible for how you feel when there's help available. So even though it can be hard for parents to help their adult children when it comes to this situation, but you got to remember you then got to help yourself so you don't fall prey to that either. And recognize that you are a parent. Now, this is huge, Ms. Barry, and you've been saying this and you've been reiterating this, and I've heard you. you got to recognize that you are a parent, not a mental health professional. Even though you may feel like it's your duty to attempt to treat your child, this isn't always possible, and you can make the situation work. A lot of times my son will call me, want the child going to be, need to be a therapist. I'm like, I'm not your therapist. You need to go get your help. Yeah. You need somebody else to talk to besides talking to me. He gets upset with my response, but I have to let him know I'm not your therapist. But you do have to listen to what they're saying because this is very huge. Empathy. Empathy is different from sympathy. You want to encourage them the best you can. Avoid negativity. Support is huge. And sometimes you may have to attend support groups with them. And this is, and I want to end it with this because I know we ran over time. But this right here, Ms. Mary, is a good thought. Ask the adult child. What can I do to help? 
If the parent would like to help an adult child as a therapist, I strongly recommend you ask that adult child what can you do to help. Try not to make assumptions about the child's needs because making assumptions and giving advice can push that adult child away. Whether it's addiction, whether it's mental health, whether it's family therapy, or whatever. You want to be invited. You want to invite yourself into their life, not take over their life. So, Ms. Berry, ending with that, what do you think about that after child? What can I do to help? Yeah, and we have had that discussion, you know, and, and, and to, to calm down a, a heated discussion. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that's the best thing to do. If, and um, honestly say, you know, other than, no, just leave me alone. You know, if they can honestly say, you know, give some advice to the parent, like, what, what can I do to help you? What do you want from me? You know, because a lot of times kids will say they're in their predicament because, well, I didn't get this support. I didn't, my mom or my dad did this, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes we're wrapped up in the blame somewhere anyway. So if we just ask them, you know, what what can I do to help you? What can I do differently? How can we get through this together? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. My daughter is watching, and I always say, and this is my thing, I didn't have perfect parents. I was not a perfect parent. Did try to be a perfect. I did the best with what I knew how to do. Once I the certain age in my life, and I realized I could not blame my parents, I'm not gonna let my adult kids blame me either. Because right. you gotta take control of your life. So if what I did didn't work for you, what are you now gonna do for yourself? That's where we have to teach that we teach our kids to be responsible, but we don't teach our kids how to be accountable. I can't make my adult kids feel no kind of way. If they're dealing with these issues and something, I can be there to support them. I can be there to encourage them. I can be there to listen. But you can't blame me for how you feel. Nor can you use your childhood or what I've done or whatever the case may be for what you're going through. Now you got to figure it out. My daughter taught me a long time ago. She used to tell me, figure it out. Figure it out. I couldn't go out and be like, I'm depressed. I can't get out of this. Figure it out. So you want to be encouraging, but you also want to make sure that you're not enabling. But you don't want to see them suffer in pain. So like I said, the month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And today's topic was more generated on mental health adult children as we are parents, it doesn't mean it's the adult child even live in your home, but the child can live outside of your home, and a lot of parents don't know what to do. Now, if you're dealing with a mental health issue and you are an adult and your parents are deceased, there's still help available. If you're dealing with a mental health issue and you were adopted or don't know who your parents are, you may not know if it is hereditary within your family. However, you can still seek assistance to try to alleviate your pain of what you're going through. 
There's help out there. 211 EAP. Utilize your insurance if you have a loved one who needs medical necessity. There's community resources that are out there available. Psychiatrists administers medications. Psychologists do psychological testing and therapy. There's therapists out there. There's life coaches out there. There are mental health specialists out there. There's rehab for substance abuse issues. There's programs for eating disorders. There's a lot of resources, way more resources than what we had over 20, 30 years ago. So let's share this information, how to do better. So I want to thank you for joining me here. Thank you, Ms. Berry, for helping me with the show. I appreciate you. And if you have any other questions, give me a call. You know I'll ask the call 24-7. So, so give me a call if you need to talk. Okay? All right. Thank I you so much. You. Okay. All right. And until next week, remember you got this. I got to answer the phone. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.